Good afternoon, saints, saints of God more than conquerors. Listen, this is Steve Vancura, Bread of Life Bible Study. I'm going to continue on um, a topic on the flesh. Uh, there are already three parts to that teaching. Uh, this is the fourth, okay? Uh, and so the topic again is the flesh, the flesh. As a reminder, the flesh represents the sin nature of fallen mankind. The Bible says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, the, the flesh is condemned already because uh, the flesh, uh, as I said earlier, uh, everything, everything has both a natural meaning and a spiritual meaning. So flesh can be physical, you know, I mean, uh, the carnal man um, is, a, is a man that the flesh is active in. Okay, you've heard of chili con carne, for example. It's got meat in it. Um, and in the Old Testament, of course, they always sacrificed flesh, okay, animals, uh, goats, sheep, on and on and on, because it, that represents the sinful part of a, of a creature, okay? And just to review, remember when Adam and Eve were in the garden, they were created perfect, perfect, all right? And God gave them a choice, because that's what this whole story is about, making a choice, who you're gonna serve. And God pointed out two trees, tree of life and a tree of death, or also called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And uh, God said, do not, eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. All right. Remember, the serpent came into the garden and tempted Adam and Eve. Uh, okay, actually, Eve was the one that was tempted and deceived. And she disobeyed God, took of the fruit of that tree, the tree of death, and ate it and gave also to Adam. All right. So... Uh, and then, of course, they immediately felt naked and afraid because now they were corrupt. That, that glory of God that was on them, the goodness of God, uh, was disappeared, all right? Uh, the Spirit of God left them, all right? And uh, so they felt naked and afraid. They, they could not any longer stand in front of a holy God. So they're running and hiding from God. So... Uh, and, of course, God knew exactly what was going on. And since they committed that sin, remember the, the, soul, or the um, penalty of sin is death. Death. Okay. Now, here's what's kind of strange. I don't know if you ever thought about it. Adam and Eve committed suicide. Okay. They killed themselves by sinning because the penalty of sin is death. Okay. And, and so... In that sense, now under the law or in God's kingdom, if you kill somebody, uh, then you pay for it with your life. Okay, and so uh, the flesh, therefore, which is the nature of man, is now condemned because it represents that sin that killed Adam and Eve. It's death. Okay, uh, and uh, that's why from then on, when Adam and Eve had sons and daughters, uh, they no longer had offspring in their likeness, or I'm sorry, in God's likeness, but they had 
sons and daughters after their likeness, and they passed on that sin nature to the kids. Every single generation born of Adam and Eve is sinful, corrupt. All right. Now, in God's eyes, God, God's standard is perfect. Perfection, okay? Righteousness, okay? Uh, the Bible teaches that mankind doesn't think he's that bad, all right? How many times have you heard somebody say, well, man is, mankind is basically good, or humans are basically good? Well, that's not what God says. God says all of man's righteousness is but filthy rags before God. Said the... Uh, there is none righteous, no, not one. The heart of man is desperately wicked. Okay, so mankind has a problem. Okay, uh, they are separated from God, and uh, they cannot know God. There's no way they can even come to know God unless God reveals Himself to them. All right. Um, the Bible says the natural man, who's the person descended from Adam and Eve, says the natural man understands not the things of God. He cannot know them because they are only spiritually discerned. Okay, so mankind has been disconnected from his creator. All right, but God um, provides a way of escape. All right, justice. Remember, justice, mercy, and grace. Justice is getting what you deserve, all right? And Adam and Eve, you know, because they sinned, the justice was to be separated from God, okay? They died spiritually. They weren't yet dead physically, but the entrance of this sin nature will or would eventually result in physical death also, eternal death, okay? Now, um, the, uh, like I said, God is a God of justice, but he has a heart of mercy. Justice is getting what you deserve, and Adam and Eve certainly got what they deserve. But God began to teach about justice, he began to teach. And, and the way mercy works is this. God's justice demands that the penalty for committed sin be paid, okay? And remember what the penalty is? Death. The soul that sins must die. So somebody's got to take that penalty. Somebody has to die, okay? Um, but throughout the Old Testament, we see that for God to maintain this relationship with his people, it was related to constant, recurrent animal sacrifices, animal sacrifices and the blood was taken into the tabernacle which was the meeting place between God and man and that blood represents an atonement to, to, to pay the penalty to show that God was paying the penalty in a temporary way for man's sin so that they could maintain a relationship with God all right so but of course they had to multiple sacrifices all year long, year after year, year after year. Um, it, it, so every single sacrifice was just temporary, temporary. There was no permanent payment for the sins of mankind. But the whole purpose of the Old Testament is to show it's just a type and a shadow of the, the final sacrifice that would take away the sins of mankind forever. Okay, all the sins, okay. 
And, and that's what John the Baptist was talking about when Jesus came on the scene. And John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. All right. So uh, the whole Old Testament is about Christ. Okay. It, it doesn't say the name Jesus anywhere. But remember, everything in the natural or physical always means something spiritually. So I'm telling you, every letter, every celebration, everything in the Old Testament is essentially and ultimately about Christ and the coming atonement for the sins of mankind, the restoration through God's mercy. So that because the whole purpose of this whole thing is to make God, God said, let us make man in our image. So, and God wants a family. And obviously his family has to be like him. All right. The offspring of, you know, a male and female who have kids, the offspring is always going to be like the parents. That's the way God is working this. Okay. He wants, he is the father. Okay. All right. So now mercy then is God to provide a substitute sacrifice to shed his blood to pay the penalties of all man, penalty of all mankind. Okay. For sins. And that is Jesus. Okay. Now, <clears throat> and then we said that when God comes into that relationship uh, with mankind, there God's command is that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and strength. All right, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But here was what the deal is. Uh, there is a scripture that says, "This is love for God that we obey." His commandments. Okay, so the way we show or prove our love for God is to obey His commandments. Okay, now in a human family, the mother and the father. I mean, if you you, you know the kids love the mother and the father, they're going to try hard to to obey their commandments and have a good relationship. Okay, uh, the parents are not going to like rebellion and disobedience. All right, so uh, sometimes it happens, uh, but then. There's forgiveness and maybe punishment or whatever uh, to maintain the relationship. All right. But that's a big order. That's a tall order for God to tell us that we must obey his commands because we do not have the strength or power to do that. Okay. Of myself, I can do nothing. The flesh profiteth nothing. Okay. And the only way, the only way I could do what God says to do is for him to do it in me in me, that he does it, okay? The Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, okay? So salvation, which includes us obeying, being holy, being obedient to God, obeying his commands, you know, uh, that, the only way that'll ever happen is if God does it for me, for me. All right. And <clears throat> there's a scripture. We bet, said it in a previous lesson. It is God that works within you, both to will and to do of his good commandments. Okay. And the way that works, remember, when we receive the forgiveness and atoning sacrifice of the blood of Christ and confess him as Lord, receive him as Lord of our lives, we turn our lives over to him and just let 
let God run our lives instead of us trying to do it, all right? And, and that in response to that repentance and uh, believing the gospel, all right, God conceives the life of his son inside your heart, okay? So actually, the life of God is birthed in you, all right? And uh, so that's what Paul used to call the Christ in you, the hope of glory, okay? Uh, and so that is a new heart. We, in the previous lesson, we talked about how uh, twice Moses went up on Mount Sinai and got the tablets of the law. The first time he came down and they were all breaking the law and he threw the tablets down and busted them up into who knows how many pieces, okay? Then he went back up again and God wrote the commandments down again, uh, this time with his own finger. Okay, now what's that all about? Why twice? Okay, because this, again, everything is spiritual. Everything represents some kind of hidden meaning, okay? Uh, the first law, the law of Moses, it, its purpose is not to save us, but to show how crooked we are, okay? To, the purpose of law is to show lawlessness, all right? So if I have a rebellious sin nature in me, and it's just part of my being, then as soon as uh, somebody gives me a law to try to obey, that rebelliousness in me is going to rise up and disobey. That, that's just the way it works. We, we talked about how uh, a young child, maybe a three-year-old or something, four-year-old or whatever, you, you take your kid into the kitchen and you know, there's 25 drawers in the kitchen and you tell them you can open any of these drawers you want to but never open this drawer right here. Never open this one. Well, guess what? That's, they won't be able to stop thinking about what's in that drawer, okay? Um, there, there's something called the age of accountability. Age of accountability. The Bible says that sin is not accounted apart from law, okay? Before a child knows what the difference between right and wrong, you cannot um, treat them like they should know the difference, right? Okay. Uh, if they don't know any better, how can you punish them or, you know, give them the penalties for disobedience if they really don't know what obedience is? They don't, they don't understand, okay? They don't really know what's right and wrong, okay? But as, as you and I develop or grow up, uh, about the age of adolescence, or maybe a little before, uh, that we then we know what's right and wrong, okay? And that's when, if we disobey, something happens, okay? Uh, that, that we exercise that sin nature. Now, Paul made a very interesting statement in the New Testament. He said, I was once alive unto God, but when the commandment came, sin arose in me, and I died. Okay, He said, I didn't know what coveting was until the law said, don't covet. And then I noticed that every form of covetous, covetousness rose up in me and killed me. All right, now, what in the world is he talking about? Okay, what he's talking about is as a small child before the age of accountability, before really knowing what was right and wrong, that he had a spiritual relationship with God, okay? And that's a common thing that little 
that people testify that there was a time, you know, when I had a relationship with God, okay? But when they come to the age of accountability and they know what's right and wrong, since that sin nature is down inside them that, were, that they were born with, you know, once temptation comes, then the sinfulness or we'll say the rebelliousness will manifest. And the minute we do a sin, that's when we spiritually die. So in that sense, a, a person repeats the exact sequence of events in the Garden of Eden. Okay? Remember, Adam and Eve were innocent. Okay? They were created perfect and innocent. But once the law was given, okay, don't touch of this, you know, don't eat of this tree of knowledge of good and evil, okay, and they made a choice, then, then they suffered the consequence of death, all right? And, and so you and I, as we grow up, we're first born, we're at first innocent, we really don't need, know what's right and wrong and that kind of thing, but at some point we mature enough to know right from wrong. And um, every single human being is then going to commit sin, okay? And um, then, but the, again, that's, that's mapped out. It's the same for everybody, okay? And, and that's when we become conscious of sin. And the more conscious we are of it and the requirements of God, then we begin to seek a savior, a, a cure in a sense, a cure for this sin nature. We talked about how in the Garden of Eden in chapter 3, when God uh, gave the consequences to Adam and to Eve and to the serpent, uh, the consequences of their disobedience. Okay, To the serpent, he said that on your belly you're going to crawl all the days of your life and you're going to eat of the dust of the earth. Remember that? And the dust represents the sin nature of mankind. God literally gave the devil authority to tempt mankind. All through his life, all through human history, you know, temptation comes from the devil, okay? And, and um, what responds to that temptation is always our sin nature, all right? That flesh, the rebellious part of our being, okay? And why would God do that? Because remember... Apart from law, sin is not accounted. So you may think that you're good through and through, all right? But if I tell you, no, there's some bad stuff down inside of you, that sin nature, unless you have experienced it, you do not really know you got it, okay? So the purpose this may, it may sound crazy, but the devil works for God, okay? Uh, it was God that gave him this commission, okay, to, to feed on the dust, which is the sin nature. God opened the door so the devil could tempt mankind to, to rebel, to, to fail, to disobey, okay? And, and it's the law that causes that flesh in us to rise up uh, to rebel, okay? And, and I really don't know how strong and how bad and how powerful that is until I realize that I don't care how many New Year's resolutions I make to not do something, I'm going to end up doing it. 
you know? And, and in that process, this interaction between me and the devil begins to teach me something, okay? And it says, be sober, be vigilant, for the devil as a roaring lion goeth about seeking whom he may devour, okay? Now, what does the devil devour or eat? The flesh. Remember that? Remember that? Okay. So the devil, he's going around. He's like, a, he's hunting. He's hunting. And he's looking for somebody that he can tempt, throw some kind of temptation or something in front of them to cause them to fail, to disobey God. Okay. And uh, so he, he's like a lion. Now, what's interesting is it says be sober. He's talking to you and me that we, you and I, if you're out walking through the forest or something like that, you know there's lions around, well, be sober, be vigilant, wake up, look around, don't, you know, watch where you're going. And, and that's what God is saying. Be sober, be vigilant. As you're going through life, be careful, because the devil might be around this corner up here, and, and he is seeking whom he may devour. Now, notice it says may devour, okay? Because, why is that important? Because who is it that determines whether he can devour me? Me. Me. The devil cannot make me do anything. This is a common misconception. You know, uh, the devil made me do it. Well, no, the devil cannot make anybody do anything. All right? Uh, but he will try to tempt me. All right? And cause me to act on that temptation to bring sin. Okay? And remember, the soul, well, let me just say this. Blessing comes from obedience. Cursing comes from disobedience. All right? So the, the devil's trying to cause me to disobey. And why? Because there are spiritual laws out there that will result in consequences. All right? There's physical laws and there's spiritual laws. Physical laws and spiritual laws. Now, if I walk outside and climb up on my garage, all right, uh, the law of gravity... Uh, is there, okay? And if I step off the edge of my garage and I fly down and hit the concrete and break my leg or my ankle, you know, I just showed the law of gravity. Now, I would not say, you know, shake my fist up at God and say, why did you just do that to me? Why, why did you break my leg? You know, well, I, God didn't break my leg, I did, okay? Now, just like there are physical laws, there are spiritual laws. Okay, and if I break the law spiritually, there's always some consequences. Blessings come from obedience. Curses or consequences come from disobedience. All right, and I'm the one that decides what I'm going to do. Okay, uh, I may think I can get away with something, but you cannot. You cannot. Now there is a scripture that I want to discuss right now. It says. Agree with your adversary while you're on the way. Lest your adversary drag you before the judge into the courtroom. All right. And you and the judge turn you over to the officer and the officer throw you into prison. You will not get out until you pay the last cent. Now, what in the world is this parable talking about? You know, agree with your adversary. Now, who is the adversary? The adversary is the devil. 
the devil, okay? Uh, your adversary, the devil, goeth about seeking whom he may devour, okay? When the devil tempts you and tempts you and tempts you and tempts you to break a law, to disobey, to commit a sin, you know what happens? He suddenly has a case against you. You just broke a spiritual law, and there are consequences, okay? So he will tempt you to commit a sin, and as soon as you do, he's going to say, gotcha, gotcha. All right, then what's he do? He said, you know, agree with your adversary while you're on the way. Well, where, where's he going to take you? Into court. The court, okay? Who's the judge? God, okay? The devil now becomes the prosecuting attorney. You broke a law. And there are consequences to that broken law. And so he's going to drag you before the judge. And that's why the scripture, this is Jesus talking, he said, agree with your adversary while you're on the way. You mean I'm supposed to agree with the devil? Well, if you broke the law, if you committed sin, and he accuses you, you can't say I'm innocent. No, you better say I'm guilty. You better say I'm guilty. All right. Agree with your adversary while you're on the way. Lest when he gets you in before the judge, the judge turn you over to the officer and the officer throw you into jail and you will not get out till you pay the full penalty for that sin. All right. So the judge is God. All right. And now if we confess our sins, then God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Bible says, I write these things unto you that you do not sin. But if we sin, we have an advocate before the Father. And that is Jesus Christ the righteous. An advocate is like an attorney. He's your defense attorney. Your prosecuting attorney is the devil. So the devil tries to get you to commit sin. So he says, I got you. And he drags you into court. What you need to do is confess your sins. Because then once you get before the judge and you say, guilty as charged, now and only then can your defendant, or I'm sorry, your defense attorney, Jesus, come forth before the court and the judge and say, well, yeah, he did break this law, but my, I died on the cross and shed my blood so that this sin is already paid for. It's already paid for. Then what's the judge going to do? Pull out his gavel, pound it on the table and say, case dismissed. Case dismissed because the penalty's been paid. The penalty's been paid. And you go free. You see that? And, and this is so, so, so important. We are in this fight all day long. Every day, you know, and we need to be sober and vigilant because the devil, he is looking around, trying to tempt you to get you off course, to drag you into court. Well, you're going to suffer some consequences of spiritual disobedience. I'm going to say a blessing. Father God, just bless your people, Lord. Give them wisdom and honor and hope. Father, just bring this word to life in their hearts, Father, that they can live the life that you created them for and grow into your likeness every single day. 
the, your, the blessings and promises you've given are more than enough for them to reign in life, reign like kings and priests unto God, Father. Father, let them not listen to the devil and all his lies, Father, but to fight back with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth. In Jesus' name, amen.